0: Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. I think it's safe to say that our luck has officially turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We're back.
1: Yeah. Classic. We are back. That's We right. are back. We are getting Doug back and we're the three best friends that
2: anybody could have we're the three best friends that anyone could have we're the three best friends that anyone can have and we'll never ever 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 leave each
0: other michael preston we are back yes that is the truth we are back here on the kooks i just rewatched that movie the other day like, the, honestly, for the first time in, like, more than a year probably, which is very unusual for someone of my age who had that movie come out when they were in college. It stands up, man. And I still haven't seen the second or third one because I don't, I don't know who the director, I can't remember the director's name for these movies, but, oh, it was always supposed to be a trilogy. Pfft. Okay, dude. I'm off track already. That's, like, par for the course here on the Kook Center, on the Kook Center podcast. I always get off track. I am your faithful host, Michael Preston. Carrying you along on our weekly adventure into uh, making your ears feel better. That's for darn sure. Jacob Thorpe from the Spokesman Review is going to join us. And then we are going to talk to Dom Williams, current San Diego charger, former WSU wide receiver. He's going to stop by for a quick chat, tell us how things are going for him down in the 619. And then we're going to get to our Dunder head of the week. And as always, ask Michael anything from the West Seattle studios. Of the Kook Center Hour. My producers are here. Say hello. No? The cat won't say hello. Not surprising that the cat doesn't listen to a verbal command. Um I I I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything we've heard this summer about this football team and you know, these building expectations. They've kind of been building up ever since Luke Falk. <laughs> Ran an option keeper to salt the Sun Bowl away. I had never seen them run that, and they, okay. But ever since the day after Christmas, I think it's all kind of been building to this. Camp starting this week. Football, now Cougar football, a month away at this point. Against Eastern Washington on September 3rd in Pullman. It has been a spring and summer of budding expectations. Expectations building. And it's kind of weird. We've talked about this amongst ourselves as authors. It almost feels like the expectations have been highest amongst the people who follow this team closest. Against the people that follow this team the closest. That the outside media hasn't been as bullish as on this football team as maybe we have. And I can't decide yet if that's a good or a bad thing. I can't decide if that's just me trying to look through or you know trying to take off my crimson colored glasses a little bit. And can I do that enough? Do I do that enough to look past and see what weaknesses this team really has? We'll talk about that with Jacob here in a little bit. But I can tell you most of it's not offensive. Most of it is going to be defensive this year. I so I wonder if the expectation game—if we have gone too far with the increasing expectations, with the bigger expectations, with that all comes with that all comes with you know uh, uh, winning a bowl game like that and winning a bowl game against a program in Miami that's historically pretty freaking good and. Do you remember what happened last time? Wazoo won a Sun Bowl. What they did the following year, it kind of sort of went to a Rose Bowl. So I've been battling all of that all summer to not want to, to, to you know, protect myself against buying into it. But I guess at this point, it's it's safe to say that me myself, I'm I'm bought into this football team competing for a Pac-12 North title. I don't think it's outlandish to say that. I don't think it is unreasonable to say that. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that this football team can win 10 games. I'm saying that to you right now, in my present state of mind right now. Now on game day, it'll be a little different because I'm I'm the biggest ball of nervousness on game day. I have no right to be. I'm not the one playing the game. My life is not affected by the outcome of the game, nor it shouldn't be if it is. But I I think that it's fair to say that this team can compete in the Pac-12 North. And again, as we'll talk about with Jacob in a little bit, the the Pac-12 North is the strong division this year. And, you know, kind of the, of course, when Wazoo gets good, the rest of their division outside of maybe Oregon State, but even Cal with Davis Webb looks better. Of course, everybody else is good. Stanford, I'm not going to knock off the throne until they show me they're not going to. UW's got a really good defense coming back and an offense that, in theory, should be better. And Oregon is, again, still kind of in the same situation as Stanford, though not quite up on that, that throne of supremacy uh, that they are. But there is reason to think Washington State can compete for a Pac-12 North crown this season. And that's what we're going to start out with. I mean, we're doing five shows before the season even starts. Is it 5-5? Five, five? Yeah, five shows before the season even starts, including the week of preview against Eastern Washington. So we're going to start you out big with, look, I don't think it's unreasonable to have the expectation that this team can win a Pac-12 North title this year and go to the Pac-12 championship against whomever it is that gets out of the Pac-12 South. But you look at the way the schedule stacks up, and my goodness, those first three weeks, even just those first two weeks, completely completely the most critical part of the year first two weeks of the conference season arguably the most critical part of the year Oregon at home Stanford away got to get one got to have one of them you have to win one of those football games if you want to even have a chance at getting to the Pac-12 championship got to have at least one both is even better if you can win just one of those football games, you're at least setting yourself up for later in the year. Okay, look, I've taken care of one opponent that I think could be up there at the end of the year. Stanford's going to play Washington the week before they play Washington State as well. It it I mean, like, the whole freaking season, the whole Pac-12 season, might just be decided pretty freaking early in the year. And I'm checking that schedule right now to make sure I'm not just talking out my butt on that one. But look, the, the whole schedule, and yes, they do play Washington the week before. The whole, whole schedule, whole Pac-12 North might get decided really, really early. And I that that is why those games are so, so critical for Washington State. I'm I'm not even, you know, terribly, I'm not... Not in a not worried way about Boise State, of not worried about losing to them, but you lose the game, you lose the game, whatever. It's that Oregon game, it's that Stanford game that are so, so critically important this year. I'd love to beat Boise State. I would love to do it. But you know what? If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Oregon and Stanford, those are the important ones this year because, like I said, those expectations for this team are finally. Here, they're finally to a point where we can expect them to be competing for a division title. And it's not unreasonable to think that. You have a returning quarterback who is going to, if he stays healthy this year, is going to be the most prolific passer in school history. You have the best returning wide receiver in the Pac-12, maybe outside of a Dory Jackson and Gabe Marks. Although Gabe would probably definitely tell you he's better and I'm not going to really argue with him. You have this stable Full of running backs: Keith Harrington, Gerard Wicks, Jamal Morrow, James Williams, coming off his red shirt. I have River Craycraft. I have Robert Lewis. I have, I have Kyle Sweet. I have Tavares Martin Jr. I have incoming freshman Isaiah Johnson, Desmond Patman. Defensively, I've still got guys like Daniel Aquale, and I've got guys like Hercules Mataafa. And I've got guys like Robert Barber and Peyton Pellure and Shalom Luwani and Darian Moulton and Charleston White and Marcellus Pippins. Why can't this team compete for Pac-12 North title and why can't that be my expectation? I'm fighting it in my head so badly. Because every single time you have this expectation or at least it feels like every single time you have this expectation it's just this shot right in the gut. I compared it the other night when the Mariners lost to the Cubs, oh hey boy, you know what? I've been punched in the groin so many times on my teams. At least I'm used to it by now. But it feels different with this team. That attitude difference we saw last year. Just that change in who they were. That we, Game marks after the UCLA game. 70 seconds is too long. You gave us too much time. That's an attitude change. And I know we don't like to talk in those... You know, things you can't observe and may put a number to. It's hard to talk about those kind of things. Or, or at the very least, it's, you know... I, I can't put a number to it, so it's hard to quantify. But just that attitude change of, look... You gave us a minute to score. That's too much time. That is so... Even worldly different from just the year before with this team. And I love the word swag. I love the word... They got that moxie in them. That, look... You cannot give us that much time because we are going to make you pay for it. That is the difference between even just early last year's team and this year's team going into it. That's why I'm so much more confident in this team being able to repeat, not only repeat what they did last year, but double digit wins in the regular season are not out of the question. Do they need things to break right for them? They absolutely do. They got breaks last year and they're going to need more again, just like. Pretty much every team ever that is that good. You need breaks. You need things to go correctly for you in the season, whether it's your team or another team, for that to happen. You need for Stanford, Oregon, and Washington to all beat the crap out of each other and for you to come unscathed out of those three, winning at least two. That's what you need. You need these breaks you need a, you know like Josh Rosen gets mono and he can't play in the UCLA game just those kind of breaks i think they can still beat UCLA with Josh Rosen out there but that's what i'm saying you need those kind of breaks but even then knowing that i don't think it's unreasonable to say that this team can win 10 games in the regular season they're going to slip up somewhere every team virtually every team does it it's it's not it's not a they rag on them in any way it that is just what college football is you slip up somewhere along the way unless you're coached by Nick Saban generally like you know it that's not a detriment to them at all it just that's how it is but there is no reason to think this team can't compete for a Pac-12 North title and go to Santa Clara this December and play for the right to go to at least a Rose Bowl I would love nothing more than to hop in my car on a Thursday night after I'm done working and drive to San Francisco so I can watch that game. I would love nothing more. And there's no reason why they can't do it this year. No reason at all. Jacob Thorpe, Spokesman Review Beat rider coming up next here on the Coop Center. Out. here on the Coog center Hour, former wsu coog wide receiver dom williams current san diego charger coming up next but first we visit with the spokesman review beat writer for washington state this is like what your number like three and a half on the beat jacob thorpe is that about roughly what it is at this point i can't quite remember exactly yeah
1: well i, I started with the uh, the stanford game back in 2013 uh, over in seattle so it's uh, it's about three years in now and uh You know, me and the Cougars have have sort of grown up together, I
0: think. (laughs) Well, I want to talk a little bit about that right off the top because I think of all of your years covering this team and all of the years uh, that I've been a fan of the team is that this is probably the season with the highest expectations we have encountered. I mean, they were, you know, somewhat high last year, but I think last year was kind of just, you know, Let's get to a bowl game we don't really care what it is let's just do it but after going nine and four winning the Sun Bowl last year and you know you lose some pieces on defense but most of your offense is still there I think I think it's fair to say the expectations are higher than they've been at any time that you've been covering this football team
1: absolutely you know in 2014 they were, after coming off that bowl game with uh, with a senior quarterback coming back and, and some pieces you really liked. Uh, I, I think in 2014 expectations were high, but it became a, a apparent so early in the year that it just wasn't going to be that year. That uh, you know you lose at Nevada, and pretty quickly, I, I think fans realized that they that there just wasn't the structure in place for uh, for the team to to have success after uh, after some early stumbles. But this team this team really does have the uh, you know, it's it's not a house of cards. They can they can afford to lose a few pieces, and all, already they have. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's uh, there's players ready to step up. A lot of players would have to uh, would have to play significantly worse for this team to to not be at, at worst a bowl team this year. So it's it's certainly the uh, the year when you can uh, allow yourself to dream as a fan and hope that something really big happens, but feel confident that no matter what happens, even a slightly disappointing season would end in the postseason. And that's a good feeling to yeah. have. That feels like
0: security. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the good stuff uh, here in a little bit, but I'm a bad news first, good news guy second. Uh, we still have, you know, as, as much anticipation as we have, we have hanging over this football team. Uh, we don't know what punishments are going to come from this Uh, assault at a house party, if there were any football players involved. Police say that there were football players involved, allegedly. Um, That's not something easy to have hanging over your head. And it's obviously an awful thing that has happened to the victim in this case. And I I want him to get healthy because drinking through a straw is not fun and it's awful. And he's obviously in pain. But for not knowing really what's going on is kind of hanging over this football team is not a good way to go into camp. But we may find out right away when camp starts uh, what's gone on
1: well well we certainly could and that that first day at camp uh i, I have a, an idea or two of players to, to really be checking on the roster but you, you don't know if uh if it's something that will require players to be kicked off the team because as the as the cops have said there's just not a, a lot known about the clearly alcohol was involved yeah uh there were there are some grainy videos we have them up on our website if you want to see them but they you're, you know i I'm around the team as much as most people are and I certainly couldn't make out a whole lot from them. Uh, I certainly think that even if no one leaves the team, it's like you said, it's about the worst thing you want to head into the camp on, particularly because so many players are being called as witnesses, you know, potentially yeah. 10, maybe even more players have been questioned. The uh, we we've certainly uh, gotten a crash course in the definition of what a person of interest is in this case. <laughs> really yeah. anyone that the cops, uh, here might be at the party, might know someone who's at the party, roommates of players who were led to be at the party. They've got to go through the whole talk to Pullman police rigmarole and sort of the coaches. And, uh, you know, in, in some ways, it's a good thing that no one's been charged because I certainly think, given what the, the police have said about the, the nature of the charges, the felony charge, that may not even be Mike Leach's call whether or not a player stays on the team. That may right. be something that gets get you kicked out of school. Right. But. And while it certainly could, can be read as a good thing that, uh, that no one's been formally charged yet, it's not going to be such a fun thing for the coaching staff and for some of the players if they have to navigate uh, getting back and forth between Lewiston and fall camp if there are further interviews that have to be conducted. Right. So it's, it's definitely a big distraction. It's, uh, it's uh, not a great start to the season, but if it – if it uh, if it's done cleanly and if it's over with soon, uh, you shouldn't expect to see a hangover from it. It's just not a
0: great way to kick off camp. And again, I'll, I'll note for everybody listening, we recorded this before. If anything does happen later in the week, we've recorded this before it happened. So if it does happen, then we apologize. We talked about it uh, as we know it now. The other piece of bad news we got uh, late last week was that Kai Priester was going to be leaving the team Spent one year playing for WSU, got that waiver to play right away after transferring from Clemson. Um, you know, he had about 30 catches, about 200 and some odd yards and a touchdown last year. And Jacob, I think this, what it really does is it hurts your depth at the wide receiver position. He was, They were thinking about moving him inside. Well, maybe we'll move him back outside. Didn't really have a home ahead of fall camp in terms of where he was going to play. Um, so I think what this really does is hurt your depth, but it still hurts in terms of getting an experienced, really athletic guy uh, who you wanted back now? Not on the football team anymore,
1: right? Victor sure was sort of your utility wide receiver, and like you said, I think they were really excited about his potential inside. He's a, he's a big player, he's a violent player, he's still a fast player, and someone that could really give linebackers trouble. and And, and had a very good uh, had a very good spring, so I think they were really excited to see what he could do, given that he was arguably the best athlete they had at that position mm-hmm. on the team. But where he does really hurt is that you You are putting a big burden on Tavares Martin right now to really succeed at that outside receiver position. He's going right. to start and he's gonna have to play a lot. and there's there's a lot to like about Tavares martin. he's he's uh, he's very fast. he's tall for his position, though not particularly big. and he's he's made some plays for you. you You are secure in the fact that at a, against pac twelve uh, defensive backs, he can get something done. That said, He's still coming along. He's only a true sophomore, uh, I guess, until classes start. He's, tech, he's technically a true, a true freshman. And last year, while he, he did have some big plays, you certainly never saw anything close to, to consistency and something close to uh, this guy can go be that left side of the field and they've got to pay attention to him on every play because he'll yeah. make you pay if you if you let him off the hook. Right. And while we certainly saw a more confident player in the spring and a player who was getting closer to that, I didn't get the sense he was really there yet. That he was, uh, he was ready to go be an All pack 12 player. That he was gonna be very sure of what he was doing on every play. Mm-hmm. And now you don't really have a whole lot behind him. You're, you're hoping that C. J. C J Dimery is healthy, but even then, we've only ever really seen glimpses that he could be a great red zone weapon. So if Tavares Martin were to get hurt. Or Tavares were to go through a slump, as many many players do, sort of hit a wall. Right, uh, things could get pretty dicey there. All of a sudden, you're asking a true freshman like Isaiah Johnson to slide over to the left side of the field and turn over his right shoulder. You're just you're not really thrilled about the depth. And and uh, and Priester was a player that, if nothing else, had had some game experience. Uh, is clearly a phenomenal athlete. He started his career at Clemson. And was just another body because sometimes mm-hmm. it's just about the bodies, especially late in the season when players start getting hurt.
0: Let's go let's go to good stuff because we like I said, I'm I'm a bad news, good news guy. I like to end with good news. Well we're not gonna end right now, but um, <laughs> what you what you get we talked about how much you're getting back on this football team after last season, and I think it, it's nowhere more prevalent than on the offense. You lost uh, one of your best receivers and Dom Williams, who we'll be chatting with next, um, but and you lose Joe Doll at left tackle. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, really the core of this offense, your Luke Falk, your Riley Sorensen up front, your Gabe Marks, every single running back, plus James Williams coming off his red shirt. All these guys are back on this offense that really, I think, for the first time this year, we could really see the best iteration of Mike Leach's air raid that we've seen now in his fifth year at Wazoo.
1: Oh, I think that's certainly true. It's only because. You've got Luke Falk back, and, and this stable of running backs who really have emerged as is kind of almost counterintuitively is the the leaders of the offense. or these, you know, Jamal Morrow was the captain for the last nine games last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, uh, Gerard Wicks is certainly a player that uh, really buys into the coaching staff and what the what they're all about, and is sort of a leader on the field. And then James Harrington and Keith, or sorry, James Williams and Keith Harrington are just these phenomenal athletes who are going to make some electric plays for you. You throw in that you've got the the best receiver of, of Mike Leach's time at Washington State is coming back, and Gabe Marks, and he's about to have a big season. You you have to think you've got guys like Craycraft and Robert Lewis who've just been in the program forever, it seems like, and, and have gotten better every year. And it certainly seems like it holds up well. And And not to, uh, in any way dismiss what Joe Dahl did because, you know, I think one can argue he was their best player last year and sure seems like the NFL would, but when you have a a team that passes so frequently and, uh, and even when they, when they run, they're asking their offensive linemen to almost in some ways kind of sell the pass by being in that two point stance, you, uh... Maybe it's a little easier for a for a real good athlete like Andre Dillard to step in and take over that left tackle position. Mm-hmm. When you when you lose a great left tackle, you're losing a guy that you know kept Luke Falk so clean from the blind side. He just right. did not give up sacks. That was not something Falk had to worry about was who was coming up behind him. But it's not like they're this team that relies on being able to run it to the left side of the field time after time and have a left tackle who can just. You know, some first-round guy who's just blowing up the defensive end and getting you five yards every time that way. Mm-hmm. If they can, if they can eliminate the the pass rush or at least mitigate it, uh, the difference between an, an NFL left tackle and the guy who they hope eventually becomes an NFL left tackle may not be that. Uh, may not be as big of an
0: impact. Mm-hmm. Well, Andre Dillard also went to Woodenville, which, as we know, is a fine institution that pumps out many uh, many very smart uh, podcast hosts too. So that's yeah, you know,
1: uh, he, uh, he 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 has just exceptional line knowledge. For, yeah. uh for for a left tackle, so that's yeah. something you like to
0: see. Yeah, I do like to see that. Go Falcons! Uh, but I think offensively, we talked about Luke Falk coming back. We talked about Gabe Marks coming back. On the defensive side of the ball, Jacob. Uh, you're a little bit more worried, I think, when you're losing guys like Destiny Viau uh, and you're losing guys like Jeremiah Allison. You do get uh, a good portion of your secondary back, which I think was the most improved unit last year. But losing so many starters, Cache Palacio as well, uh, I think it leaves a little room for worry uh, defensively, especially in the front seven where you know they, they kind of helped the the cornerbacks and the safeties last year play a little better but losing that you worry maybe a little bit about the secondary and it's all just kind of one big mess but on the other hand Alex Grinch did such a good job and I just I don't know what to make of it right now
1: well well, I think the the big concern all season long will be the the front four and really the front three because I think you feel I think you feel very very good about what you have in uh and Hercules Mataafa at the oh, yeah. event, and Robert Barber there at nose tackle, and Daniel Ecuale at uh, tackle. But you're already hoping that Daniel Ecuale comes back fully healthy because he had some stuff in the spring that seemed like it was going to linger. Uh, and um, so the, the, there's there's quite a drop off after that first season. You certainly can't see a season or a, a game in which, uh, you know, they're going into the Stanford game and they're feeling really, really good about their chances to, to get one at Stanford and really put themselves in position for, to, to win the Pac-12 North, and then Robert Barber's out. Uh, your, your, your nose tackle, who had this great spring, easily his best uh, his spring at Washington State, set himself up for a huge senior season, and then, oh, that guy's out. And uh, and now you're asking Nalu Tapa, who's, who's big and who's athletic, but it's never really been able to stay on the field very long and right. didn't in my opinion have a have a phenomenal spring now you're asking him to, to come in and take on two of those Stanford offensive linemen every play and really chew up uh, chew up that pocket uh, third quarter he's having tr- trouble doing that and Christian McCaffrey just starts getting these easy lanes and then you you know you drop that game because you didn't have that guy and that's doesn't torpedo your season but it turns a maybe a rose bowl season into a, an alamo bowl or a holiday bowl season mm-hmm. you know that would that would be sort of tragic for the cougars this year given how much they have going for them so that's the that's the part of the team where i think you're really sort of biting your lip all season and just praying those guys stay healthy because they uh they just do not have the depth along the defensive line to really sustain an injury to any of those three key guys at at that rush linebacker spot I think you you feel pretty good about your depth I want to say because you you know I mean Dylan handler has been in the program for a long time and he's a great athlete and the coaches seem to really like what he can do Uh, they obviously want to get Logan Tago on the field by any means necessary he's a guy that you know I've seen that guy cover outside receivers uh, you know right up against the sideline uh, they played him at nickelback last year, mm-hmm. and they've tried him at defensive end. You know he can he can really do anything. He just hasn't done a lot of it. So yeah. while it's inexperienced, I think I think you like your numbers game there. You've got a lot of really good athletes at that position. and it would be a little surprising if one of them couldn't emerge.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the secondary a little bit uh, as well, Jacob, because you do get Shalom Luwani back, uh, Charleston White. Maybe moving to safety as well. And Marcellus Pippins and Darian Moulton at corner. And basically nobody threw at Darian Moulton last year. That's how good that kid was. And he was a true freshman last year. And now he and Pippins, another year under their belt. Still young. But I think what you really like uh, in your cornerbacks is the potential for them going forward. And what you like in Charleston White is that he has the athleticism to learn a new position in the offseason and be beside Luwani in what could be a big senior season uh, for Shalom?
1: Oh, you know, this is not to knock Washington State's recruiting or ability to recruit at all. But, you know, unless – until the Cougars start – Recruiting like a Florida State, recruiting like a Clemson, recruiting like USC, or one of these teams that's bringing in five-star talent all the time. Yeah, I think you feel about as good as this secondary as you, as you will probably ever feel. Uh, you, you know, n- next year even you're you're going to get Molten and probably Pippins back for even another year, but you lose Shalom Luani, who seems like a first-team All Pac-12 candidate at safety. Yeah, uh, you you do have that other safety spot a little up in the air, but. They were, you know, Jalen Thompson didn't just look good for a true freshman last year, he looked pretty good overall. Yeah. And it seems like there's a pretty decent chance that Robert Taylor can come in and even lock down that spot or at least make it so Thompson doesn't have so much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. So, at 3 of the spots you're feeling really good. You know, they they love what Darian Moulton did last year and now he's about to make that freshman sophomore jump which, you know, traditionally is the year when you know you kind of know you kind of just know how things play out now you know what classes right. are going to be like you've you've been to a few parties that's not new for you anymore and you you to you have a <laughs> sense of the system <laughs> and you can spend all you can spend all off season sort of percolating and learning what the uh, filling in those gaps that you didn't really necessarily have a chance to fill in when you were starting every game as a true freshman and uh and pippen's turned into quite the playmaker last year and we you know like i said shalom's really good so I, I just do not think they're uh, they're particularly worried about the secondary at all, even their backups, guys like Kirkland Parker, Trashaw Broughton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they really like Dion Singleton right now. Uh, there's a lot of not only just experienced players or players who've gone into games and performed well, but just some really good athletes that uh that are struggling to to break into that top four.
0: I do want to give uh, a brief shout out uh, to Mr. Eric Powell, who earned himself a scholarship after having a pretty exceptional season kicking the football uh, last year. Certainly the best we've seen since Andrew Fernie uh, graduated. Not that that was too long ago, but I mean, just having a guy in Eric Powell, I think that the coaches can count on Jacob, is pretty big uh, for this football team ahead of next season, considering the year before you just had no idea what you were getting out of anybody. Uh, when it came to kicking a field goal, which is what might have forced Mike Leach's hand to go for it even more often than Mike Leach would like to go for it.
1: Yeah, they, they've been fairly fortunate, not just with uh, with Powell, who obviously has uh, turned himself into a to a very solid scholarship-worthy Pac-12 kicker. But uh, but Zach Charm last year, uh, Charmy, was you know very solid at punter, uh, and someone that maybe you didn't really know what you had, and someone who had to play very early, a true freshman. So... Uh, you know i'm not uh, not to say that they've been perfect on special teams since eric neely took over but it, it seems like they've uh their players have, have grown up as you would want them to grow up over the course of mm-hmm. their career and they've certainly uh it, you know it's not an adventure every kickoff anymore and yeah. and, uh, and you've got to feel pretty good about your chances when you're taking any field goals even with uh one or two prominent misses over the last couple of years it's, it's it's unfortunate how much those stick out because they really are atypical uh, from what they've been getting out of that position.
0: Not a brief editorialization on that. I, I, you can't expect Eric Powell to make six field goals in a game, and especially the long – anyway, that's that's me editorializing on that. That's not you saying that. Uh, final one before we let you go, Jacob, is I, I've had so much trouble figuring out the Pac-12 North this year because it kind of seems like every year or so – the strength or the stronger division goes back and forth. And I think it's certainly the Pac-12 North is a stronger division this year. And I've just, I, you, you don't know what you're going to get out of Stanford's new quarterback, but I just, I'm kind of hesitant to take them down off the throne until they haven't earned being down off the throne. Washington's defense brings practically everybody back. And in theory, their offense should get better. I don't know what the heck to make out of Oregon's offense. And they got Brady Hoga's defensive coordinator and then you got Washington State sitting down here with practically everybody back on offense and a pretty decent defense as well. Right now, if you had to make a prediction for a place in the Pac-12 North, where would you put Washington State at the end of the season?
1: Well, I've got Washington State finishing second in the North, mm-hmm. and I think we have sort of similar training thought here. Right? I don't know. I, I think you can make a real good argument for for any of the top four, frankly. And this was a lot of what... Uh, I, I talked with a few of the coaches and the, a few of the Pac-12 analysts down at Media Day, and that was something I, I heard a lot, was that, well, you, you can really make a case for any of the four. I mean, how is it... That hard to see Oregon, who I've got fourth in, in my preseason poll, mm-hmm. uh, finishing uh, finishing number one when they've got the the biggest baddest uh, mother duck in the country and Royce Freeman. Yeah, you know you're, you're really all you're asking is that Dakota Prukop, who has had a lot of success at the college level, is, is able to make that Vernon Adams transition. And and it, while I don't think he's Vernon Adams. Uh, I, that's really only based on the fact that I'd seen Vernon Adams do it against uh, a few Pac-12 schools, and I and I haven't seen Prukop really, you know, torch the Huskies in the Husky Stadium the way that we saw that out of Vernon Adams. Yeah. But it's it's not that much of a stretch to think he comes in and that Oregon offense is just fine. Yeah. Uh, I I'm not gonna knock Stanford off the throne and throne until they get knocked off. They they just do it every year. Uh, they've got uh, a Heisman candidate running back. I'm sure their quarterback will be fine. It's been so long since Stanford wasn't at least okay at quarterback that it's it seems like wishful thinking to think that they're just going to be terrible all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And and the Huskies have what could very easily be the uh, the best defense in the conference. They they basically were last year, and it seemed like they didn't really lose very much off of that. So it's it's hard to think that a team with uh, three NFL defensive backs and, and a whole bunch of good linebackers and defensive linemen is going to be really bad. Ultimately, yeah. I've got the Cougars number two because I think I think they and Washington are pretty uh, pretty close this year. One team's got the offense, one team's got the defense, and the other one's got an okay offense, and the other one's got a, an okay defense. And basically, I just think uh, with, uh, with the team Washington State's going to have in the year, I think they're going to have – I, I just think Martin Stadium's gonna be in an insane environment for the Apple Cup and I think that pushes the Cougars over the top. But if it wasn't Husky Stadium, I'd probably pick the Huskies, and I think both teams are a little
0: bit better than Oregon. I like I like that last part that they're a little bit better than Oregon. I like that. Uh ninety four degrees on Friday in Lewiston. Do you have like a misting fan or something for yourself going down there I, every day for like two weeks? Uh,
1: I think I've just had it in, in the back of my mind uh, all summer, just uh, just knowing it was coming, and subconsciously because I've i probably bought more hats this summer than I've bought uh, in in the entirety of my life <laughs> leading up to it. Just like, uh, you know, every day down in Lewiston, I'm going to take my hat off, and have to throw it away because it's so salt encrusted. So, oh god! Uh, you know, we're uh, we're gearing up for it. It shouldn't be quite as hot as last year, but I re- recall that last year was the year when I started writing stories about the. Uh, the students that they hire to in- track the amount of water each player has consumed and make sure that everyone's, uh, you know, drinking six yeah. gallons a day so that they don't turn into, uh, raisins out there. <laughs> uh, it'll be a hot one, but you know, they seem to think that, uh, that it, it's good for the team. So, you know, if it gets them to a Rose Bowl, I'm sure they're happy to, to sleep in those middle school dorms for as long as they need to.
0: If it gets into a friggin' Rose Bowl, they can give them a $10 million facility down at that friggin' middle school for all I care if it gets them to a friggin' Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> give them all they want. Alright, Jacob Thorpe, he's going down to Lewiston this week and uh, wish him no sweat uh, as we continue here on the Kooks and Arrow. Tom Williams coming up next. Back here on the Cook Center Hour, we're joined now by uh, former Washington State wide receiver, current San Diego Charger wide receiver, Mr. Dom Williams. And Dom, that has to sound kind of cool to say current and NFL team followed by your name, right? Is that is that still a little surreal? Is that sunk in yet that, that someone can say that about you? Oh, yeah.
2: It'll, it'll forever be surreal. I mean, uh, this has been a dream of mine since I was a little
0: kid. Your, your senior season, I think you know, started out so weirdly against Portland State, I think in a way that nobody expected it to, and then it ended on such a high note uh, against Miami in that Sun Bowl. What was it like to kind of ride the wave of that season? I mean, you guys had the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows, but that must have been a an incredible bonding experience for you guys in the locker room to be around that.
2: Oh, it, it really was. I mean, it it, uh, it brought our team a lot, you know, close together, especially, you know, that first loss. Uh... Because we already knew the potential that we had, with the bond that we had, you know, the chemistry between the O-line and the quarterback, the quarterback to the receivers, you know, and it just trickled down, you know, the defense had great chemistry, so, I mean, it really bonded all of us together.
0: Yep, and going into that, going into your senior year, we'd, we'd seen flashes of that guy who we knew Dom Williams could be. Were you expecting to have such success your senior year catching the football? I mean, obviously you had another guy in Gabe Marks who we'll talk about in a little bit too. Uh, But did you ever expect to, when you set foot on Washington State's campus, to leave WSU having the numbers that you had uh, by the time you graduated?
2: Nah, I really didn't worry about the numbers, you know, even though, you know, people always told me about it. I was just more worried about, you know, just changing the program around, you know, just getting wins underneath WSU's, WSU's name and, you know, putting this on the map.
0: I want to talk, there's another thing I've I've always wondered about because, you know, we can't put changing the program around and character building, we can't, like, put a number on that. But how important was that for you guys uh, in that locker room, kind of going back to last season as well, and how hard did you work on that?
2: Oh, we worked so hard. I mean, uh, especially during the off season, we pushed each other. We competed a lot more. I mean, it, it just meant a lot for us just to, You know, especially as seniors, just to go out with a bang. I mean, we didn't want to be known as another senior group that just had potential and, you know, didn't live up to it. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we really pushed each other.
0: We see Luke Falk kind of coming into his own this year a little bit. I mean, a guy who, you know, maybe has the potential to battle for a Heisman Trophy candidacy. Maybe not this year, but next year if he chooses to stay in school. What was it like catching passes from that guy on a day-in, day-out basis? I mean, it must have been something that, was pretty special for a guy who could go down as the most prolific passer in school history.
2: Oh yeah, it was very special, especially you know how how driven Luke is. I mean, he, he wants to be the best. I mean, he always asks you know me or Gabe, you know, you know how how we set the route up, you know, against different coverages, and you know he'll give us a different viewpoint of like you know what he's looking at, what, you know, when the corners bailing and stuff like that. So I mean, he's 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 a real you know student of the game. Mm-hmm.
0: When Gabe Marks, you know, I want you to give me a better idea of who Gabe Marks as a guy is because when he didn't get the Bolitnikov finalist nod last year, um, he started retweeting some people in a way that kind of made, this man is a little angry about that and that's okay. I want him to be angry and pissed off about it. Is that kind of who Gabe is? Does he kind of feed off that anger a little bit when he gets slighted on that kind of stuff?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Gabe's a competitor. He wants to be the best at anything he does and. And, you know, him not winning the Belindicoff, I mean, that really got him mad. But, you know, it just it just pushed him even more, you know, just to be a great receiver. You know, he, he will be one of the greatest receivers in WSU history. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching him.
0: You guys win that Sun Bowl uh, last December, the day after Christmas. I mean, the weather was just miserable. You're playing against a program that historically is is very good. What was it like? Describe for me that feeling of after... First of all, Luke Funk ran. A, I think it was an option keeper to ice the game away, and I'd never seen him run that in my entire life. So that befuddled me enough. But what 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 was that feeling like when finally there was zeros across the time on the scoreboard, and you guys had won the first bowl game for the school in over a decade?
2: Uh, it was it was a sigh of relief. I mean, I looked at the seniors and I said, "We did it." You know, we all hugged each other, and you know, it was it, it was like bittersweet because I knew that that was my last time ever playing with that group of guys, which. That was a great group of like a teammates right there. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody I got along with. We all hung out together. I mean, it, it was it was a sigh of relief. But at the same time, I knew that that my career at WSU was over. I mean, it was it was it was a sad sad moment too.
0: What was what's the difference? You're in the NFL now, and we'll kind of get to more of that in a second. But what's the biggest difference between the locker rooms in college and the NFL? I I, I assume there is at least a little bit of a difference. I mean, that you can divulge. I know there's some secrets that we can't ever tell. Uh, about locker rooms but what, actually, what's the biggest difference
2: actually there is no difference i mean no. you got the funny no you you got the funny people you got the people that <laughs> like to joke around you know you got, you got you got different stuff going on in the locker room like different games you know shooting the hoops and stuff like that but you know it, it's no difference but besides you know people are just older i mean that's it but yeah. it's it's the same thing everybody likes to have a good time and just enjoy each other's company
0: are you the funny guy or are you the joking around guy
2: Uh, Nah, I'm not really the funny guy. I'm I'm more of a, you know, I'll tell a joke every every once in a while, but, you know, I just, I'm I'm that guy just gets along with everybody.
0: Yeah, I can see that. All right, I get that. Um, You graduated from WSU in May, but before you did that, you were able to sign your free agent contract uh, with the San Diego Chargers. You grew up in Southern California as well, so you, I mean, you obviously knew about the Chargers as a kid. Was this kind of a dream come true scenario for you to be able to go play for a team nearby where you grew up and be able to sign your contract with them?
2: Actually, yeah. I mean, just being in the NFL, I mean, it was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, being close to home is really a blessing. You know, I get to see my little sister, my little brother, all the time. You know, so it was was really a blessing just to be, you know, at this uh, great organization here.
0: What's it like catching passes from Philip Rivers because I know you, you know, you obviously caught passes from a pretty good quarterback in college and Philip Rivers is a guy who is going to be at least close to the Hall of Fame by the time he retires. What's it like catching throws from from that dude because I mean he's every piece of video I see he is one intense guy. What's it like catching passes from him?
2: You know, you know, I caught a couple fast from Philip. I mean, he's a very very smart, you know, quarterback. He knows what the defense is going to do before they even do it. So, I mean, he, he's he's mastered the game and he's still learning. But uh, it's just amazing to catch passes from him, especially, you know, when he, you know, talks to you and and, and explains, you know what I'm saying, different route mm-hmm. combinations. And, you know, he really, if you have any question to ask him, you can ask him. You don't have to be afraid because he will give you an answer. And, you know, he loves to, you know, joke around on the field, you know. And, uh, I mean, he's just a great guy.
0: You told me before we started recording this that you you had two a days on Monday and it was the hardest day of football uh you've probably ever had. Or I think I believe that's what you said. Just just tell us more about why it was so hard because I mean we're talking sun up to sundown with this stuff on Monday, aren't we?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's just you know there's there's so much coming in. You know, I'm learning a whole new offense and you know, you have to put the time in, you know. There's there's no, you know, getting getting sidetracked, you know, it's all about football. I don't have to worry about homework. I don't have to worry about study hall, nothing like that. You know, it's all football. So, I mean, it's a lot of studying, a lot of watching film, you know, a lot of, you know, critiquing yourself, like how can I get better in, mm-hmm. you know, my routes and just stuff like that.
0: Don Williams, San Diego Charger, former WSU Coug talking to us here on the Coug Center Hour. Um, I asked a few former Cougs who played in the NFL. So I asked Michael Bumpus this. Uh, what did you did you buy something for yourself for your mom for your siblings? Did you buy something for yourself after you signed that NFL contract, or did that money get put into a savings account right away?
2: Oh no, it got put into a savings account. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that's the smartest thing to do. Yes, I it have is. every, I have I have everything I need. You know, I have my laptop, my cell phone, and you know, and I have you know the ability to you know play in the NFL. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's all I need.
0: This is a, you're a smart kid. I like that. That's a good answer. Smart kid. He just puts the money right away and let it do let the boring bank stuff take care of making you more money there. That's a very smart thing to do. You're competing in camp, obviously, for a spot on this team. Just how have you ever been in a situation like this before where you're having to compete like that at WSU or in high school? Is this a new situation for you where you're having to really work hard to earn a spot on that 53 man roster in September?
2: I mean everything I do, you know. I try to compete at. You know, I always want to be the best. You know, I want to. I want to. You know. Uh, you know, be able to contribute to this team. So I mean, anything I do, I compete in. But you know, I'm just going in. You know, with the mindset of every day, just improve. I mean, that's that's all that matters. You know, improvement from day by day in a route and you know, learning more plays. You know, never having the coaches. You know, tell me to tell me the same thing twice. You know, so
1: yeah.
2: I mean, I'm just I'm just you know blessed to be here, and I, I just look at it, you know, day by day is I need to get up in there and just work, you know, all I can do is just give my best, you know, that's,
0: that's mm-hmm. it. We'll end with, we'll end with a couple of easy ones. Uh Everybody I've ever talked to who played under Mike Leach has a weird Mike Leach story. Do you have one like where, you know, he's a, he's to looking from the outside and he's kind of a weird guy as it is, but do you just have like a story, you know, where you just go, I don't know what the heck that was but it was funny or it was weird do you have something like that where it just like you don't even know what yeah. coach was doing
2: yeah actually he's always talking about swinging the sword i mean i don't i don't understand, really you know <laughs> yeah uh from from pirates you know who's going to win who's going to swing that sword and you know it's kind of weird because i'm like <laughs> you know you're swinging a sword but you're playing football you know <laughs>
0: I thought that was I thought that was just a myth that he that he talked about it all the time. But you're telling he actually does that. He talks all the time about it.
2: Yeah, all the time about pirates and swinging a sword and <laughs> who's gonna win the battle and you know he's 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 a great coach. You know I, I enjoyed yeah. a lot of his stories. You know.
0: No, I no I know he's a great coach. And then I want to I want to give you another easy one here. You went to Wazoo for you know four or five years. You know everything about the good places to eat around there. When you went to Ferdinand's, did you go to Ferdinand's? Do you have a favorite ice cream flavor there? Wow,
2: that's a great question. I mean, I'm an ice cream guy, so I like all ice cream. So I mean, I really don't. I really don't have a, a favorite ice cream, but Pullman Ferdinand's is amazing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but you're oh, not, yeah. you know, you can't commit to one flavor there. You can't just commit really, to one flavor. No, I
2: really can't. You know, Ferdinand's as a whole. I mean. I love it. Uh, every single flavor.
0: <laughs> do you have like a favorite? No, if you're an ice cream guy, so you, do you have to have that? Do the Chargers have that for you in the cafeteria for after training or for after training camp? Do they have ice cream?
2: Oh yeah, I for sure grab me you know strawberry shortcake after
0: <laughs> <laughs> after <laughs> dinner for sure. You earned it, man. Right? You earned it after two days. I think you earned a little strawberry shortcake, right? Uh, oh yeah, but my favorite ice cream of all times has
2: to be. Baskin Robbins cotton candy ice cream. Really? I don't know. It's cotton it just, candy, huh? Cotton candy. It just, it, it wow. It just amazes <laughs> me how amazing the flavor is. Like, it's, it's die. It's, it's to die for.
0: You sound like a man talking about his new girlfriend. Wow, that's, that's, that must be a really good ice cream, dude. <laughs> and, I, ice
2: cream and pizza is the key to my heart.
0: You know? And you got, and you got pizza the other day, right? Tell me you got some, because you're on, you're on Twitter. Send Dom a pizza. Did you get a pizza? <laughs> Yes, I did. You got a pizza? Where did you get the pizza from? Let's let's see if we have any San Diego listeners on the podcast. Was, where did you get the was, pizza? It was, it was, it was from Craft Pizza. Uh huh. It was amazing. They yeah. sent me wow, like <laughs> till till today I can still lick my fingers
2: and oh. taste that pizza. You know, it was it was a blessing that they that they sent me a pizza. You know, I was just I was just expressing my love of pizza. You know. <laughs>
0: Wait, okay, so so they sent you a pizza. It's, it's kind of nice to not have to worry about like a recruiting violation or an NCAA violation anymore, right? You can just, oh, hey, send me a pizza. You know, I, I don't care. I'm not in college oh, anymore, yeah. right?
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it's really a blessing not to worry about getting in trouble <laughs> or anything like
0: that. I think I can't. Don't, nobody buy Dom a bagel. It might be an NCAA violation. Dom Williams <laughs> from the San Diego Chargers, former Coug. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. No
2: problem. Go Cougs. Thank <laughs> you.
0: Dunderhead of the Week time. First of all, our big thanks to Dom Williams, Jacob Thorpe, for joining us here on the first edition of the Kook Center Hour for the year. Uh, I know it's an election year. We will not be getting political on Dunderhead of the Week at all this year. Period. Endo. Sentence. I'm sure that's a relief to everyone involved, including my producers. Who are licking themselves. Their cats. Dunderhead of the Week. Um, this one's kind of been building for me all summer a little bit. And... it it just finally reached a peak a few weeks ago Russell Wilson I, I had this discussion on Twitter with a few folks a while back but is there a guy you're more annoyed by six days of the week and then you absolutely adore him one day of the week that being Sundays he just annoys the crap out of me I, I, it is just everything so robotic and even when he's not being robotic those snapchats with Sierra after they got married it just like good that just does not seem like a guy I want to hang out with ever I, I don't want to invite you over for a beer I don't want to go to the bar watch a game with you I don't want to go golfing with you and he just rubs me so the wrong I don't know what it is but he just rubs me completely the wrong way and it's annoying and I I don't know. I, I, it's Like I said, I'm so annoyed by the guy six days a week and then the one day a week when he's playing football, that's when I adore him. Don't be boring, kids. That's what I'm saying. When you're giving interviews, don't be boring. Be Richard Sherman, be Michael Bennett, be Earl Thomas, be guys like that. Don't be Mr. Robot. Well, you know, we just didn't give a good enough effort today. We'll have to go back and watch the film, but uh, you know, I really love all these guys. I got great teammates. Hashtag good branding, Russell. Good lord. Ask Michael anything. First one of the year coming up right now. Ask Michael. Me, I'm Michael. Anything. My favorite segment every week. It's selfish. I get to take all these questions, like uh, who's it in uh, the Peanuts? Lucy? I don't remember. Brad Denny at B Denny twenty nine, the host of the Son of Sake. Oh goodness gracious! Speak of the Devils podcast. Really good. You should listen to it if you want to know about ASU. Am I crazy for going on the record with the Cougs winning the Pac twelve title? No. No, that, that's perfectly. That's that's wonderful. That, that's not crazy at all. I fully endorse such an attitude. Even I'm not brave enough to do that. Uh, at nvr93d of roberts how annoying was that stupid lester squeeze bunt sunday night my phone got thrown through a window and landed down on elliot avenue the company's not very happy about it but when i told them why they understood it uh at ben wyman mr ben wyman just graduated from wsu in may advice for following the team as an alum away from pullman uh get first of all a cable package that definitely has the pac-12 network on it and second, read kookcenter.com each and every single day. Don't go anywhere else. Just that—that That is literally all you need to do, period, end of sentence. At Donnie Out West, Donnie Turnbaugh. Best taco meat? Uh, I would go with barbacoa. I d- yeah, I, yeah, definitely that. It's salty, so I, you can do a lot of good stuff with it. Pork also good too. I'm not a big chicken guy. I don't know why. Saddest college football team points to Illinois. Purdue, probably, Idaho. Mm. Is Luke Falk elite? Not as good as Joe Flacco. At Wazoo Crew 11, now that you have a lawn, at what length do you cut it, and have you changed it from when you got your lawn mower? Yeah, actually, I'd mow it a little shorter now, so I don't have to go out there as often. To mow it, it's a little annoying. I find myself getting more annoyed by mowing it, even though I said I was looking forward to the yard work. I lied about that. I cut it actually the lowest possible setting it can go and not uh, bang into the tree root that sticks up through part of my yard and just completely destroy uh, the cutter. Uh, at Adam and Davis, uh, Pullman has a brewery, new hotels, etc. What does it need today that would entice more people, tourists, fans? It still needs more hotels. Uh, it, it still needs all those things. I think it needs something You need something else to do in Pullman other than football or visit the university uh, as well. Because really that's the main motivation for a lot of folks going there, right? Is that that's why they want to go there. Uh, and secondly, just a bigger airport with cheaper options uh, to get there. I realize the demand's not really there. And Alaska would probably never just up to me. Eh, you know, screw it. Six flights a day. Why not? But on the weekends, adding flights and that bigger airport, none of the realigning the runway... Uh, would be a good idea. That also would really help. Uh, four more shows before football even starts. That's how well we treat you here on the Kooks and I. We'll see you next week.